editorial team really shapes the vision of a journal. And, uh, you know, excluding women from these visible roles really deprives the the field of cardiology of women's expertise and their perspective. And, you know, there's also maybe subtle biases, uh, implicit biases in publishing, you know, the work uh, of women authors. And so having the editorial team uh, be representative women uh, to help uh, encourage more women as peer reviewers and commentators uh, and to encourage women publishing, because this really can affect um, the women in academia, uh, whether they're able to publish or not really affects their future grant funding, their compensation and promotion. So it's really important to be inclusive and it's up to journals um, to really, uh, you know, lead the pace here. It's, I think it's the responsibility uh, of journals um, to address unequal opportunities in academic publishing. So I'm really uh, proud that there has been changes, and I congratulate U.S. Cardiology Reviews for uh, adding a number of uh, women, such as uh, myself and Danielle, to your editorial board. Welcome to Parallax by Anka Kalra, a podcast produced by Radcliffe Cardiology to bring you a new angle of all things cardiology and the best from the US Cardiology Review. Published every second Monday, Anka Kalra, MD, interventional cardiologist at the Cleveland Clinic in Ohio, USA, speaks with legendary cardiologists, reviews late-breaking trials and interviews authors of our latest and best US Cardiology Review articles. We call them hashtag audio articles. Parallax is the effect whereby the position or direction of an object appears to differ when viewed from different positions. So this podcast is your fix of reliable updates on all things cardiology by someone from a non-traditional background who is always looking at the industry from a new angle. Now, here's your host, Anka Kalra, MD. Hello, everyone. Um, welcome to another episode of Parallax. Uh, you know, I, I can't believe it's um, getting to an, to an end of what has been um, a monumental 2020 for various reasons for all of us, uh, you know, quite poignant and, and profound. Um, and, um, you know, I sort of say that and, and bring this up because, you know, I, I think for me as an editor in chief uh, of one of the journals, which is up and coming U S cardiology review uh, with, with Ratcliffe group in, in the UK, um, what we've just um, been managed to do um, is, um, and, you know, you can, uh, I'm going to introduce my guests uh, in a little bit, but, you know, they can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's quite the feat uh, as far as I'm concerned in, in getting the percentage of women in cardiology involved in our editorial board. So for me, that, that's, uh, it's a profound moment. It's, uh, and it's, it's sort of poignant that it's taken us that long to have that many women under the same umbrella, uh, you know, advancing science. So, so keep that in the background as we sort of talk about this, uh, this topic and, and move forward in the, in the podcast, my guests tonight, um, are actually, you know, I, I call them my friends. So funny enough in, in the age of social media and, and podcasting and Twitter and Instagram, what have you, that we actually haven't, I, I don't think I've met either of them in person. Uh, but, uh, you know, it just seems like that I know them both so well and I hope the, you know, hope that the vice versa is also true. So um, my guests tonight are Aaron Mikos. Dr. Mikos is uh, the director of um, Women's Cardiovascular Health at Johns Hopkins. She's uh, associate professor of medicine at Johns Hopkins University. And then my second guest is uh, Dr. Danielle Bellardo. 
and Dr. Bellardo is um, a non-invasive preventive cardiologist at Newport Beach in California. And she's um, recently graduated to, to becoming an attending physician uh, after having a very successful stint as a cardiology fellow and really being the, uh, you know, the beacon uh, for vegetarianism and cardiovascular medicine. So without much further ado, Erin, Danielle, welcome and thank you for your time. Yes, thank you for having us. It's a, quite an honor to be on this podcast and I'm just really thrilled to be joining the editorial board of U.S. Cardiology, Cardiology Reviews under your uh, leadership as editor-in-chief. And thank you so much. I, I echo those sentiments from Dr. Mikos. I'm so excited and honored and beyond thrilled to partake in both the podcast tonight and also to be a part of this incredible journal and to learn from all of you. You have both you have both accomplished so much in cardiology, and I'm just so honored to be able to learn from you through your research and also through everything you're doing with the U.S. Cardiology Review. Well, you know, Erin and Danielle, thank you both. Um, so, well, you know, the honor, quite frankly, is ours too. Um, you know, um, you've both, um, you know, so both for, for the audience, both doctors, Mikos and Bellardo, have been beacons of, um, uh, you know, really voicing uh, the importance of having diversity, inclusion, and representation of women at large, you know, in cardiovascular medicine. Um, and, you know, what I just said at the beginning of the podcast is is very relevant. And, you know, I think uh, they, they both um, have been leaders in representing, um, you know, sort of the, um, the uh, I, I think, I think it's fair to call it frustration, uh, right? Erin uh, and Danielle, would you believe that I think that's the right word to, to use here? Um, because, you know, for, for so long, it's just been, uh, you know, the, the volcano has not been allowed to let up and now it eventually has let up. So, you know, we're, we're seeing the, we're seeing the consequences and I, I think, I think it's good. I think it's good. I think shaking it up every now and then is very healthy. So, um, so with that, Aaron, uh, I'm going to start with you. What, what do you think is the current state of the journal editorial boards and, uh, you know, journals at large, uh, you know, but certainly cardiology journals, but, you know, journals at large, I mean, you, you're extensively published and, and, you know, have, have, a, have an extremely well-rounded uh, resume. So I'm going to start with you with that question. Oh, well, this is a topic I feel very passionately about because, you know, we've had a real problem I mean, for more than 20 years. There's been notable gender disparities on many medical um, journal editorial boards across all specialties, um, particularly at the highest level, such as editor-in-chief. Um, there was a 2011 survey of 60 major medical journals, and only 16% of editor-in-chiefs and 18% of editorial board members were women. And in cardiology specifically, I don't know if you saw, there was a paper uh, published in circulation this year in February 2020. Uh, the senior author was Dr. Prachi Agarwal of Michigan, and they examined women editorial um, um, a representation of major cardiology journals from 1998 to 2018, so 20 years. Um, and again, you know, showed uh, marked disparity. I mean, notably, they found for general cardiology journals for these 20 years, there was no women editors of chief in U.S. Public publications, only one in Europe um, at the special subspecialty cardiology journals. At the time, again, this was through 2018, only circulation heart failure had a female editor-in-chief. Um, looking at like associate editors uh, in U.S. journals, uh, it was 21% women and only 9% uh, associate editors in European journals. So 
really underrepresented. Um, over the 20 years, there was an improvement. I mean, the women on editorial boards doubled from 6% to um, you know, 12%, but uh, certainly we all can agree that was uh, grossly underrepresented. Um, since that time, uh, there, you know, Jack Journals did add two women editors-in-chief uh, for um, Jack Case Reports and uh, Jack Cardiology Oncology, so that's an improvement. But the reason why this matters, you know, is the editorial team really shapes the vision of a journal. And, uh, you know, it, it, excluding women from these visible roles really deprives the, the field of cardiology of women's expertise and their perspective. And, you know, there's also maybe subtle biases, uh, implicit biases in publishing, you know, the work uh, of women authors. And so having the editorial team uh, be representative women uh, to help uh, encourage more women as peer reviewers and commentators uh, and to encourage women publishing, because this really can affect um, you know, women in academia, uh, whether they're able to publish or not really affects their future grant funding and their compensation and promotion. So it's really important to be inclusive and it's up to journals um, to really uh, you know, lead the pace here. It's, I think it's the responsibility uh, of journals um, to address unequal opportunities in academic publishing. So I'm really uh, proud that there has been changes and I congratulate U.S. Cardiology Reviews for uh, adding a number of uh, women such as uh, myself and Danielle to your editorial board. You know, uh, you know, as I said, you know, the, the honor is, is uh, quite frankly ours and, you know, we sort of wanted to, you know, lead, lead in the space and also send a message across that we really value, uh, you know, yours opinions and, um, and, you know, for me, I, I just feel sad that it's taken that long for the field at large, um, you, you know, to sort of bring that question to the fore. So Danielle, let, let me ask you this. And, um, you know, you, you've, you've, you have, you've an extensive, um, you know, presence on, on, on social media and you've been, you've lended, uh, your voice for the right reason. And you know, particularly, I mean, I've been following your posts on Instagram for COVID-19 and they've been very, I mean, they're very educational for me. I mean, I, I, you know, you've sort of been at the cutting edge of, of research and, and, and evidence base for COVID-19 and also Black Lives Matter. And, uh, you know, I, I, the one post that has stuck with me is I vividly remember how you commented on losing, you know, X number of followers um, just because you voiced your concern for Black Lives Matter and that you uh, you know, you you are for diversity in color and and equal opportunity for people of different color. You know, so that that was profound for me. Um, so what I wanted to ask you was, uh, I mean, do you, do you think that that has translated into representation in 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 cardiology? So that that's a thank you so much. That's a great question. I actually I, I think that one of the best things for uh, with being a female in cardiology and actually getting exposure to other physicians, um, I think for me has been social media. So the fact that people like Dr. Mikos, Dr. Milhaladu, Dr. Um, uh, uh, Martha Glotti, the fact that all of these female cardiologists, I can see, I can follow Dr. Miko's work. I can follow all of them succeeding, publishing all these papers, doing all this incredible work. It really makes you feel like anything is possible. And I think that, you know, no matter where you train, um, even if the, I think the last survey showed that 20% of, um, uh, trainees in cardiology were female, that's still not a lot. And so, 
depending on your institution, you may be the only female in your class or, um, you know, just there may be one other female. And social media helps to make it feel like a smaller world. And I think that that's where it's really helped to increase um, this feeling of diversity and inclusion. And yeah, especially with, um, I've spoken out a lot about Black Lives Matter and everything like that. And my Instagram following's quite large. And one thing I've always suggested to everyone I follow is diversify who you follow on social media, meaning you should be following more women. You should be following more um, individuals that are black, that are um, Latino, that are of various different racial, ethnic, genders, uh, and, and backgrounds. Because if you're not seeing them in the office every day, I think at least learning from their experiences, especially learning from women in um, healthcare. And I think that a lot of social media has helped to narrow um, that um, with regards to making it feel like a more tight, close-knit group and has really, for I think for my generation of um, women that just finished training or that are in training, um, I very much relate to fellows since I just finished training. I think seeing and learning from these female leaders in cardiology like Dr. Mikos has been so inspirational. I can't even put a, a value on it because it's just been invaluable because it really does make women in cardiology feel like, wow, I can do anything. I can go into academics or I can go into private practice or I can do, I can be impactful in whichever way I want. So it's been, it's been really powerful in that way, I think for women in medicine. Yeah, no, uh, you know, I, I think, I think that's a great answer. I, you know, I have, I have learned tremendously, you know, following you and, uh, you know, obviously, Erin and I have worked together uh, closely recently on on several manuscripts, and you know, I've I've just valued the uh, the collaboration with with Erin. Uh, you know, on on a plethora of topics. You know, right, right from dual antiplatelet therapy to the Kardashian index. Uh, I mean, I mean, it's it's been it's been quite the spectrum for us. You know, or for that matter, the 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 spiritual piece we wrote with Kavita on uh, COVID-19 and the healthcare workers, which was published in the European Heart Journal, which in which we basically took lessons from the Bhagavad Gita and, and sort of shared it with, um, you, you know, it was, it was an allegory and we were trying to, uh, you know, draw comparisons as to how this is, is a righteous war for physicians uh, and uh, for the frontline workers, uh, irrespective of what the results are going to be. Um, so, you know, it's probably one of my favorites yeah. that we did. Together. Yeah, you know, mine, mine too. And you know, I, I, I don't, I don't think if you know about this, Danielle, but it actually was was a viral, quote unquote, a viral hit in India. I mean, you know, oh. our, our inboxes were flooded between Kavita, myself, and Aaron. Our inboxes were, were flooded with people who, you know, we just didn't know from all over India. And it was, it was like, whoa, that's you know, we never, we we wrote it because we felt so strongly about it, and you know, I think this, the the fact that it resonated spiritually with with that many people was was very um, humbling for us and it was very flattering for us. Um, so you know, so with that, um, actually, Aaron, um, you know, speaking of the Bhagavad Gita, the Bhagavad Gita actually, the the one of the prime lessons of the Bhagavad Gita is, you know, aligning thoughts with words and actions meaning so if you're saying what you're thinking and then if you're doing what you're saying right i'm going to repeat that if you are if you're saying what you're thinking and then if you're doing what you're saying you will be in complete harmony and peace with yourself so that that is an extremely profound profound statement and i is something that i try to live by every single day um, you know, also because I've, I've been examining the, 
the the Gita for almost two years on a regular on a daily basis now. Um, so so what do you and I and the reason I bring this up is I, I see a lot of talk like I, I see a lot of talk around women in cardiology right and um, I do not know because you know I I, I even though I'm 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 completely supportive of women in cardiology as a concept. I'm not the recipient and I should not be, I must not be the recipient uh, of the benefits that this, this talk is, has may have generated. I do not know, but I, I can find that out because I have the two of you here, you know, so um going to start with you, Aaron, you know, talk a bit about your, your career trajectory and, you know, sort of how we um, can utilize, um, you know, your distinct interests um, and have us cardiology review be the springboard of where you want to see publishing go, editorial boards go, cardiology go, uh, and women representation go? Oh, great. Well, you know, as you mentioned in the introduction, I'm the director of women's cardiovascular health here at my institution at Johns Hopkins. And so I definitely want to make sure that, you know, we're publishing content uh, in our this journal that's viewed through a sex and gender lens. Um, and I hope that if I do get to shape an issue uh, of my own, I would want to make sure that, you know, it's an issue full of increasing awareness of sex and gender differences in cardiovascular disease, because women are not uh, smaller men. And so it's important that uh, everything we publish uh, considers sex and gender. Um, you know, and, and that's uh, important, too. Um, you know, there, is a, there has been analyses uh, that have linked uh, between the number of of the author's gender and whether the studies report gender and sex-specific analyses. So there's definitely a, a link in that. Um, so, uh, so uh, that's how I hope to shape uh, the, the journal. And you know, in terms of you know my uh, own career, you know, I'm at the associate professor uh, level. Um, I'm in a mid-career for quite a long time, and there was a wonderful article um, in the Journal of Women's Health in February of earlier this year entitled. Is academic medicine making the mid-career women physicians invisible? That kind of really resonated with me. And, you know, one of the things that can help really, there are many barriers to limit the advancement of women, but one of these things is, is having leadership roles, such as things on editorial um, boards um, and, uh, and making sure, you know, that women, you know, can be helping women be the lead authors of publications and, and be including, you know, equitably included on editorial boards. Because I think that um, we want to make sure that uh, uh, women um, are reaching their full potential in their uh, professional careers. Um, you know, I hope to achieve my full potential someday, um, but also encourage the people coming up in the ranks behind me because women um, you know, often move more slowly up at academic positions and not reach the high, highest levels, such as professorship um, and so I'm working towards that goal myself. Uh, but women don't reach their full career potential. And uh, I think that, um, you know, roles like this, uh, being in, in publishing and academic leadership um, can, can help with that, both for my own career and for the people coming up behind me. Excellent. And uh, Danielle? I just, I have to say, it's unbelievable how much of... Dr. Mikos, it's unbelievable how much you paved the way for women in cardiology coming out after you. I, I can't not say that enough. It's unbelievable how much you paved the way. Like we are so fortunate to have people, like everyone you have s selected for your editorial board. Do you both think that this talk has translated into any 
measurable action on the ground? Erin? Well, I do think that we've made a lot of progress. Uh, we still have a, a lot of work to, to do. And I certainly have suggestions of how we can further improve things, you know, through the role of being on an editorial board. This is why it's so, you know, important to be in a position of, of leadership where you can impact change. Um, you know, I think it's really important, you know, speaking of editorial teams that, you know, people reviewing work such as editors, editorial boards, and reviewers are diverse. And by diversity, you know, I, I'm not just talking about including women. Uh, and I also want to mentor, mentor, mention, of course, that gender is not binary. Um, and so it's really important uh, throughout academia that we represent, you know, um, everybody, including uh, people, especially people at risk for underrepresentation, our LGBT colleagues, our colleagues of, of racial ethnic minority. Um, we also want to make sure that early career and trainees have a voice, too, and that, that it's not being drowned out just by uh, the most uh, you know, senior investigators. So all those voices matter. Um, diversity leads to innovation and better science. Um, so, you know, what can we do? Uh, you know, I think um, we can move the needle. Uh, you know, we see this in lots of journals. You know, Lancet made the pledge to have 50% of their editorial team uh, be women. Other uh, journals have followed suit. Um, and so I think that if we, we set, set these benchmarks. Uh, so I think that we should encourage editorial teams to be 50% uh, women, particularly in leadership roles. And then um, we should make sure that peer reviewers are 50% women and to help avoid implicit biases in terms of what gets selected to be published. And we should encourage women to write editorials and commentaries. You know, there was a study looking at commentaries, um, editorials in major cardiology journals, and, uh, you know, the women uh, were 22% less likely to uh, publish an editorial uh, compared to male colleagues. So, you know, we need to invite women because this is uh, certainly a way of, of showing that they're a leader in the field, that their voice matters. Um, you know, again, we should encourage work that's being submitted from not just women, but persons of color, people from lower middle income countries to publish, individuals from all uh, stages of their career. Um, and making sure author teams are, are diverse. And then one of the things, you know, I hope uh, if I have a role in, a, in an editorial team is I really am a big fan of doing double-blinded reviews. Very few journals do this, but I think it's really important. It's really easy to strip off authors' names before sending it to a review, so both that the reviewers are blinded to the authors' names and the authors are blinded to the reviewers. You know, people say like, oh, well, the reviewers will guess who the authors are, but that's fine. You know, let them guess. Um, I just I think it shouldn't be so obvious. Uh, and I also think there's a bias to publishing, you know, big name authors in the field um, who often tend to be men, too. You know, reviewers might assume that this must be a really good paper because it's from Dr. So-and-so, you know, big name person. But each paper, each work needs to be judged on its own scientific merit. And I think that that can be facilitated by doing double-blinded review. So you asked me, you know, what would be my action items? Uh, you know, how do we, um, you know, translate talk, uh, align words into actions? And so from an editorial standpoint, um, that's what, what I would uh, recommend putting forth. Yeah, excellent. I think um, double-blind reviews is something that we've talked about, you know, before obviously getting you on board. And, you know, we're going to have our editorial board meeting uh, with all of you soon. 
but we've um, in the past we've talked about having double blinded reviews, uh, and I, I agree with you. You know, I actually it's like akin. You know, and we've had when we had this conversation before, um, the analogy that I gave was it's like akin to having a multi star movie, right? If if the storyline is trash, no matter how many stars you put in the movie, it's going to be trash. Um, so. Uh, you know, so meaning just, you know, focus on the storyline. So focus on, uh, so the, the analogy is to focus on the, the scientific content rather than uh, the author list. Um, so, you know, now back to you, Daniel, uh, you know, same question. Um, what thoughts do you have, um, around, um, you know, actionable items, um, and, and how do you plan to engage in, and, you know, be mentored, you know, obviously with, with women like uh, Dr. Mikos and Dr. Gulati, but also how, how do you plan to engage, how, how do you plan to use your position uh, as one of the editorial board members in a peer reviewed journal, hopefully would be PubMed indexed soon, which I think is going to be a major step for us. Um, how would you then use that platform to engage more women to join the field of cardiovascular medicine and to be more active, you know, scientifically or academically? Yeah, I, uh, that's a fantastic question. And I just want to touch back on what Dr. Miko said. I love that she mentioned, you know, really that we all become better when we have a more diverse environment. Like she mentioned, gender is not binary. And how if we include our LGBTQ um, and trans community, if we include our, um, all of our, um, the community, all, everyone in medicine that is, you know, um, of all different races, ethnicities, it really does make uh, us better doctors. And I just think that's such an important point that um, throughout my training, I've learned with the more diverse of physicians I've worked with and learned from, um, from different cultural backgrounds, different religions, um, the more I feel like I've become a well-rounded physician and been able to talk to patients of various backgrounds. I think it's just so important. So um, I do really appreciate that. Well, with regards to one of my biggest passions is actually um, scientific communication with the public because I love Twitter more than anything on earth. I love learning from you all, from both of you, from uh, the cardiology um, community as a whole. But when you think about scientific communication to the general public, really everyone in my generation, younger, you know, they're really on Facebook and Instagram and they're not discussing p-values and things like this. And you think of how much misinformation is out there. And if, if you follow me on social media, especially on Instagram, I just talk about scientific misinformation, how harmful it is. It's just so common. I think one of the biggest things is helping to explain also just bridge that gap to, you know, everyone's consuming information now through social media. Everyone in my generation and younger they really are just using social media to consume all of these, um, whether it's just kind of like a news headline or whether it's actual scientific information. I would love for our generation to really just get more engaged in accurate scientific communication and really just for um, individuals to learn how to just even understand how to read studies, what is peer review, to understand levels of evidence and things that are important. Because the amount of scientific um, misinformation that is out there is is dangerous. And that's what's led to more vaccine hesitancy and has led to a lot of nutrition misinformation, which I care very much about. Um, and so I think in general, just kind of bridging the gap between, um, you know, physicians that are doing a lot of the research to just kind of the general public is a, is a, is a passion of mine because there's so much amazing and important work being done, but I don't know if it always reaches, you know, everyone who's just you know, scrolling every day. Um, and so I think that's a, that's an, an important key. Yeah. You know, and, 
and you know, kudos to you. I mean, I, I've, uh, and you know, this is coming from, from a really, um, honest place in my heart. Right. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure you've had your share. Um, you, you had, you've had your share of, of trolls on Twitter oh, all the time yeah. <laughs> or, 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 or Instagram. And, you know, you know, we, we can, we can talk about that. Uh, it's uh, quite, quite frankly, it's not even relevant, but you know, I, what I was saying was what's coming from a very, uh, honest place in my heart is, 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 and, you know, I really want to genuinely compliment you on a, how thorough you have been and how up to date you have been in sharing relevant information, which has been extremely educational and not only for, you know, of course, I mean, for the, for the general public is I'm, I'm, I'm hope, I mean, I, I can't, it, it'll be hard for me to believe that it has not been educational for them, but, you know, even for someone who's in the thick and thick of medicine, <laughs> you know, like in the, at the core of medicine, if you will on a daily basis and, you know, sort of, uh, you know, reads through peer reviewed, uh, literature and generates peer reviewed literature, literature, and, you know, wants to contribute to knowledge, even, even for, even for me has been extremely educational. So, and, and, you know, it's the, it's not, it's not hard to see the amount of effort you, you put into generating those, uh, those posts and you know, it's, it's, it's time consuming, it's informative. And it also, um, Sort of, you know, you, anyone who who has who reads science and uh, who who reads uh, peer-reviewed literature and, and reviews it can tell that the person has done the homework. So, you know, I, w- I wanted to congratulate you on that effort. I, I'm, it takes a, it takes a massive amount of effort to to do that on a daily basis. Yes, I want to congratulate her too. I mean, she's uh, amazing uh, in terms of and being able to connect with with the public and all sorts of stakeholders, other researchers, other clinicians, other physicians. Um, policymakers and the general public and patients and just has a way of connecting to a lot of people. And, you know, she says she learns a lot from me, but this is feeling as mutual. Uh, and this is, I learn a lot from her. And that's the nice thing about social media is that it is a equalizer of voices and allows everybody to have a voice to be heard. Um, so congratulations. Uh, oh, no. <laughs> It's a great way to learn, especially with regards to being involved in uh, this editorial board. I mean, there's just so much to learn from you, Dr. Mikos and Dr. Kalra. There's so much to learn from you both. And I actually have a question for both of you. I don't want to take over, but my question for both of you is, since both of you are so accomplished and you both have done so much with regards to um, publishing so much, just not just publishing research, but you both have published so much valuable research. I mean, I read everything that you guys publish and you guys are just fantastic. So I'm a huge fan. What would be your advice for someone new career starting out to get their, you know, to get more involved and things like that? And whether they're a fellow or just someone that's graduated. And what about people who want to get involved in research or in, in any sort of writing that, you know, is, is new, relatively new in general, out of training or in training? Yes, and I think it's so valuable to have mentorship and sponsorship and, you know, and people need lots of different types of, of mentors and sponsors in their whole career. Um, and, you know, I, writing, like everything else, takes practice. The more you do, the better you get at it. So I would encourage everybody to, you know, start writing about a topic that they're passionate about, to, you know, identify a mentors and a projects and get involved. And, you know, sometimes, you know, the hardest part is, you know, putting one the first sentence on the paper, but this is what, uh, you know, a mentor can uh, help you with uh, in terms of uh, improving writing strategy and uh, writing and publishing, um, you know, throughout one's career. Um, but I, I think it's, you know, important to have your um, research and your writing align with your passion and your career direction. And, 
you know, the more you more you write uh, and uh, the more you get better at it. And so I encourage everybody to to get involved. And in terms of early career, you know, trying to find those mentors and sponsors, there's, you know, the professional societies have done a really great job with this. You know, the AHA, their fellows in training, uh, FIT committees, ACC, you know, FIT committees, you know, the American Society of Preventive Cardiology. Uh, you know, they, the world is much smaller and more connected now, particularly through social media. And now we're having all our conferences, uh, you know, by Zoom uh, and digitally. So we're more connected more than ever. And so I think you know, people all over the world um, should be able to be able to find a mentor. And a lot of my mentees are not even at Hopkins. I mentor a lot of individuals who are at other institutions that weren't um, able necessarily to find um, a mentor in their field that they were interested in. So uh, I think uh, mentorship and sponsorship is, is really important. And this is why we need more women in leadership positions um, uh, who can be role models for the next generation. I agree, completely agree with Erin. Um, and, you know, I to, to second Erin's comment on, on mentoring, you know, residents and, and even medical students, you know, from from other institutions who, you know, may not have access to, you know, the kind of mentorship that they're, that they're looking forward to, um, you know, it has been extremely, actually has been more rewarding for me than I, I hope it has been rewarding for them, but, you know, has been more rewarding for me to allow them, uh, you know, access in, in a, in a very humble way. And I've, I've seen that with Aaron too. I mean, you know, both of us are very open to people reaching out to us and, you know, in return, it's given us back a tremendous amount of, um, you know, of joy and happiness, you know, like papers like Erin and I just did on, on, uh, network meta-analysis and dual antiplatelet therapy, which, which, you know, Dr. Safi Khan uh, pioneered and, uh, you know, it then allowed us the opportunity to have multi-institutional authors and sort of have that milieu. So I, I mean, I'm sure Erin, you would, you would agree. Don't you think Erin? Oh, it's been tremendously rewarding. I mean, um, you know, there's talented individuals all over the world and they just need the right nurturing um, to, you know, advance their careers. Um, and I just want to keep in mind that every anyone can be a mentor. Like, so you don't have to be, you know, an associate professor or a full professor. No matter what stage you are at your career, whether you're a fellow or a resident or a medical student, there's always somebody who wants to be where you are at now. And so, you know, peer mentoring um, and uh, you know, it's important for everyone for every stage. You know, so in my research lab, um, you know, I certainly have the, the cardiology fellows help mentor the internal medicine residents on writing um, papers and the internal medicine residents are mentoring, you know, the medical students and we have undergrads. And so, you know, you're, you're never too early or young in your career to mentor someone. There's always someone who wants to be where you are now. So it's good to have mentors, um, but also pay it forward, you know, and, uh, you know, mentor uh, someone in return. It's, it's incredibly rewarding. Amazing. That's great. Yeah. I know I get frustrated about my own career, not advancing where I want it to be. Uh, you know, it, it helps when you think, uh, you know, beyond your own troubles and, and think, you know, putting your effort into helping someone else. And, and that's incredibly rewarding and it, it gets you out of your head about, you know, focusing on your own career when you become focused on other people. And so that's what's really I found the most rewarding in academia is uh, focusing on helping others. Well, I think that both of you may not you may not even realize how many people you have inspired, even just outside of your direct uh, people you have worked with. Um, Dr. Mikos, I know every 
woman that is in cardiology, every uh, female like resident or um, every woman that feels like, oh, I, I don't know if I can go into cardiology and every woman that gets nervous about it, you know, they, I tell them to follow you and Dr. Gladi and, every, and uh, you know, all of the incredibly successful uh, women on cardio Twitter. And, and I, I think that they feel inspired. So I think you're actually inspiring people that you don't even know you're inspiring. <laughs> Yeah, that, that's awesome. I mean, that 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 truly is uh, that truly is awesome to hear. And you know, so one more thing about mentoring is, you know, I I think, like, also reverse mentoring, right? Like from the residents and and the fellows, um, you know, particularly the residents, you know, who, who are probably more facile with some of the social media platforms. You know, maybe I'm not facile with, right? I, they can mentor me how to be a better communicator on those platforms. Um, and then, um, you know, I think. Um, also the, the energy of, I think the energy of the curious mind and, um, you know, sort of trying to, trying to question the status quo, um, is that you get from, um, a, a you know, a, either a medical student or, or, or an intern, you know, just fresh out of medical school is, is extremely valuable to me. Uh, you know, some of the research questions actually, quite frankly, um, and that's why I sort of, I gravitate toward either medical students or, or interns because they're, their ability to ask naive questions is so pure that, uh, you know, maybe, um, a lot of my ideas actually come from them because, you know, you tend to get, you know, comfortable in, in certain pathways of thinking. And when you get that fresh, um, you know, that fresh air of, of just naive, the ability to ask a naive question, I think as a, as a researcher, is the is is the is the purest ability you can gravitate toward in my opinion and you know that is my relentless resource of like okay i got a why, why am i not coming up with better ideas okay let, let me go and hang around medical students a little bit you know or let me go and hang around uh, interns a little bit and i'm, I'm sure i'm going to find something which they've looked at or they've thought about which i have never thought about in that fashion um and that's that's the other reason why i, I really like to sort of mentor you know, people who are, uh, you know, that naive and, and that young in, in their careers. So, you know, that part is also very rewarding. And their, their energy and their passion, I mean, it's just, uh, it, it keeps me going, you know, you know, people can, when you're in your career a long time, you can start getting a little disillusioned and bored and, and seeing that the passion of the, the next generation coming up, uh, it's, uh, it keeps me um, thriving and engaged. And, you know, it makes me want to do better, be a better physician, a better mentor, a better research. I want to do right by them. And I mean, you know, we've gone to so many, you know, scientific meetings over our careers once we get to this stage. Um, but there's nothing like the excitement of, you know, I have a medical student, you know, who's presenting the first time at the American Heart Association meeting and the excitement of, your, of their first meeting and their first abstract. And so, you know, those who follow me on Twitter know that I, I do cartwheels uh, in enthusiasm for my mentees because it's it's really big milestones for them. And it helps me remember the passion and the drive and, you know, what got me here where I am. And I, I want to um, have them experience that that joy of uh, scientific investigation. So. So, OK, so moving on to the next question here. Um, so, uh, Daniel, I'm going to ask this to uh, ask this question to you first. What was your reaction and emotion to receive an invite to be on the editorial board for U.S. Cardiology Review? I'm so honored. 
I am so, I'm beyond honored. I am so, especially for me, this is a huge learning opportunity. I want to contribute in any which way possible. But for me, it is such an honor to be able to learn from all of you. Such an honor. Like I just finished fellowship um, and, and to be able to learn from, from you all, I'm like a sponge. And I just, um, I'm really in a stage where I, I just, I can't learn enough. Like I just am so thrilled to, and just so honored to learn from from every single person on the editorial board um, and to contribute in, in every way possible. And I, I, I can't thank you enough for including me because um, I do think that, um, you know, it, it's one of those things where I just, I, I constantly, I want to learn from, um, from, from everyone, but one, once fellowship is over, you almost, uh, you know, begin to feel like, oh no, I have to keep my learning through other ways. And, um, you know, it's, it's no more, uh, no longer a formal education or training. Uh, and I find that this is going to be a fantastic way for me to learn from some of the best cardiologists in the world. So I can't thank you enough for letting me, you know, be involved in, in any way possible. No, it's, it's, it's our pleasure. You know, I think it's, um, we, we are equally, um, enthousi- enthusiastic and enthused that you're on your, you accepted the invitation because, you know, you, you bring tremendous energy to the, you will bring tremendous, you know, having followed you, uh, through, through the years that you're, you're going to bring tremendous energy and engagement, uh, you know, from, from more women, uh, to the editorial board and Erin, well, uh, I mean, I, I, you know, maybe you were like, okay, I have another invite for an editorial board, but I really want to, I truly want to know what was your reaction once you received that invite? Oh, well, I'm honored to be included. I mean, it's, it's, it's so welcoming to be, you know, recognized as a, a leader in your field to get invited. And, and, you know, I, I see this as my way of giving back because I feel so strongly about the importance of having diversity uh, in publishing, you know, in voices and thoughts. And so this is a way for me to put my own footprint uh, into the direction the journal is going. Editors play a key role in the direction of the journals, and I want to be a force for good and for advancement. Um, you know, and we're, we're going to need that if, if uh, the whole field as a whole is going to change. And representation matters. It matters a lot. It matters everywhere. It matters on editorial boards. It matters in leadership positions. It matters in conferences and grand round invitations and awards, honors, and, you know, the portraits that are displayed in institutional halls. I know you did a podcast on that too. So it's important to be, rep- you know, have representation and hopefully this will inspire, um, you know, the next generation um, to create a robust pipeline of future women editors um, you know, and I'm glad that uh, you, you know, invited Dr. Bellardo, uh, Danielle, I think it's important to engage women faculty at early stages of their career, um, you know, not just uh, inviting senior people to be on editorial boards. So, so it, it was an honor and I hope that I can make an impact for the journal. Yeah, no, I, I, don't, I don't think I have any doubt that you will make an impact. So, you know, the, the formula for us, you know, because there, the, there were, there were amazing candidates and, you know, the, the formula for us was, so, you know, first of all, as an editor in chief, I really want this to be uh, a democratic representation of, I just don't want you, I uh, just don't want this to be like a, a sentence on your resume, uh, but I, I truly, really want this to be uh, a platform where you can, you know, lead, um, uh, you know, topics and, and, you know, uncharted uh, areas in, in cardiology and, and, and medicine and also, you know, just cardiovascular medicine and society and policy. Uh, so I, I really want, you know, the, the core women in cardiology group to be, uh, to, to be leading this effort for us. And, 
you know, I, I'm going to, we're going to talk more about this at our first editorial board meeting, but, uh, you know, where we're, uh, the, the concept is to pair women in cardiology, like uh, pair them and have them lead <clears throat> uh, an issue, uh, and sort of go in a cyclical fashion so that you truly become the face of us cardiology review. And, uh, you know, it does not, it, it, uh, you know, it, it's, it's very democratic and everybody gets, um, an equal opportunity to sort of lead and shine and, and, you know, sort of carve out that specific issue, um, which also sort of represents who they are as, as people. Uh, so, you know, that part to me is, is the most exciting part, uh, you know, quite frankly, of, of having, you know, your representation and having the ability to, to, to pair, um, you know, for, uh, for example, someone like Danielle with someone like you, Aaron. Uh, and so our formula was, you know, have one third early career, have one third somewhere in, uh, you know, in, in the mid career, and then have, have one third as seniors who could then mentor the early career and, you know, sort of the mid career can then, uh, be in a position to have a, an issue of their own. So we'll see how this pans out. You know, obviously this, this looked incredibly lucrative on paper. It still does when I talk about it. Um, but you know, I, I've, I've no doubt that, you know, with the energy that you both bring, uh, you know, to, uh, to us is, is going to be of tremendous value to us. So, so thank you for that. Good quality content that, you know, gets cited. Um, I have uh, no doubt it'll be indexed on PubMed soon. Um, and so um, I'm thrilled to help um, contribute. Yeah, and I'm so, I'm just so thankful, especially, you know, that you're, in, I'm just so honored to be included, but I'm also just so thankful that you've really focused on um, representing and bringing in um, women in me- in cardiology specifically. I think people sometimes forget that, you know, uh, 50% of our patients are female. And so um, to have women in cardiology represented is so important because um, that's what, you know, half, that's half of our patient population. And so uh, it's just, it's, in, it's incredibly important to, to bring that voice in. And I just give you guys so much credit for really uh, diversifying your editorial board. And I'm so honored to be included and learn from everyone involved. So thank you. Well, the, this has been a great discussion. So let me, I'm going to come to my last question uh, and that's sort of to, to conclude the episode, you know, I've, thoroughly enjoyed this conversation with, with both of you, Aaron and Danielle, and thank you for making the time that late in the evening. I know on the East Coast is almost, uh, is getting close to be 9.30. The, so the synergy, right, the synergy on this podcast between you and Aaron is exactly the reason why we wanted to um, have that kind of, that kind of room to, to pair someone like Danielle with someone like Aaron. Because, um, you know, yeah, but you're part of the equation. You know, this is what's so important that, you know, men are part of the change, that they're allies and sponsors. Because feminism is for everyone. You know, this isn't just a woman's issue. This is an everyone's issue to make sure that medicine and science is is the best possible. And only that is through diversity. And, you know, we can't just keep, you know, fixing the women and having this be a women's problem. We need men to be a part of uh, allies and part a part of the, the change for good and, and you are the change for good and i've been so grateful for your collaboration uh, and uh and for and this invitation to be uh, part of this uh this journal and this podcast tonight 
Yeah. So no, okay. Thanks again. I know it's been a, it's been a long, a long evening, you know, for, for both of you. And so thank you so much for your time. I have truly enjoyed this conversation. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you both so much. And thank you again for, for including me and thank you for, for everything you both have done. You both are incredibly inspiring and thank you for helping to make cardiology a more inclusive place for everyone. Thank you both. Dear cardiologists, we want to make this podcast about you and for you. So please email us your critical thoughts, comments and questions at podcast at radcliffe-group.com and visit uscjournal.com for more information. You can also follow us on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook and Instagram at Radcliffe Cardiology for daily updates. Join thousands of cardiologists and become a Radcliffian by registering to radcliffecardiology.com. You will receive regular newsletters and gain access to hundreds of expert interviews, educational webinars, clinical cases and peer-reviewed articles from our six medical review journals on general cardiology, interventional cardiology, arrhythmia and electrophysiology, cardiac failure and vascular and endovascular surgery. Thank you.